0: Time of day again. It's my favorite time of day. We're drinking Comatose Imperial IPA from Good Life. It's definitely got a flavor to it. (laughs) It's called Comatose because it's going to make you want to take a nap.
1: 8.5% alcohol by volume. Oh, wow. That's why it's
0: good. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is another beer that came from Oregon. I believe it was from my mom and her trip to Oregon. It's really good. Yeah. Can't get this stuff in Utah. You Did want to know why? Because it's good. A couple of these, you'd be drunk. Yeah, a little bit. Just just two or three, you're good. Sit in a hot tub for a while, have a bonfire.
1: So at my house, we like the Old Englishes. Have you seen those? Yeah. They're like 40 ounce. They're about like 8%. Mm-hmm. Anyways, they're always out at the liquor store by me. You know, we're from Utah again. You want high gravity liquor. You got to go to the, the Mormon store, right? Yes. They're always out of Old English. Right, mm-hmm. and finally they were in, and my my roommate Just bought a bought whole out. case. All he you bought them all. To. You have to. <laughs> I don't know if that's like regular, like throughout all
0: liquor stores, they never have them. Yeah, I don't know. They used like they, they don't carry my favorite beer in our liquor store anymore that I've seen because I like the the orange boom. We've actually had it on the show once, and can't freaking find it anywhere. So I don't know where I can get it. I think Harmons has it though. But speaking of bonfires. How's uh, how's your wood doing? I fucking Burning love through it. it. It's so much fun.
1: <laughs> it's like you know what? I have nothing to do. Let's go start a fire in the backyard. Yeah. My neighbors probably hate me. I always have a like a little fire going arson. every weekend. Yeah, good old arson. So I I am really excited for the episode tonight because it's a continuation. It's a part three of Mel's hole. Plus, Britain will be doing some filler episodes, and I, I assume there's a theme right here, right?
0: Yeah. So I. Think of Mel's Hole as kind of like, you know, I I think it's a terrifying thing, a terrifying piece of, of the wilderness or whatever. So I just went to Reddit and I, I typed in like the creepiest things they found. So I found urban explorers and the creepiest things they found while exploring.
1: Hell yeah. That's awesome. So we've already done two parts of Mel's Hole. And essentially it's a guy who finds a bottomless pit on his property and he's just dropping shit down it. A lot of things happen. We'll kind of... This is going to be covering call three that he had coast to coast three
0: years after his initial call with Art Bell. We just keep coming back to this freaking hole. And I think that, well, he's thrown like a fridge down there. I, was I dreaming or was there, a, has there been a car that's been put down? In the no, house? we
1: joked about it. though. are okay. throwing a Toyota down there. Yeah. Okay. It was it a joke. It just like- <laughs> kept running all the way down. They never break down. Yeah. So so. I think people are throwing dead dogs down there. This, uh, this reminds me of my favorite creepy pasta, and I actually got a snippet of it. I'm going to play it.
0: Okay.
2: As for how deep? <laughs> no way to tell, right? I mean, we've tried. We started with just tossing, like, pebbles and shit down there. They'd plink against the walls, but then they'd get, just get swallowed up. It's so fucking dark down there, man. You throw a rock or something like a big fucking stone, you know? But as soon as it falls the first five or ten feet, you can't see it anymore. It's just like, whoosh, and it's gone, swallowed up. Almost like there's liquid or water or something down there, but there's not. We've hung ropes with buckets and everything, but nope, it's just empty air, just empty darkness. <laughs> it's fucking weird, man. It's cool, though. Uh, so, right, so we tried to figure out how deep it was a couple times. Started with, like, throwing bigger shit down there, bigger bigger rocks and shit from the garden. I've never heard anything hit bottom. Then my buddy Marty had the idea to bring his kid's toy, this uh, this big light-up keyboard thing, where if you press a button on it, it played a nursery rhyme song. It was his kid's favorite toy. I kind of... I feel kind of bad about that. But we had to know. We had to, like, gather data, you know? So we switch on the keyboard to, like, one of those demo tracks, and it lights up and starts playing, and we toss it down the hole. And dude, trust me, it was so weird. So I said, how's it really fucking dark down there? Well, we could see the toy's light blinking on and off for a few seconds. But once it went about, like, maybe about 50 feet, they completely disappeared. We probably should have still been able to see the lights, but nope. It's like there's a threshold where all light is just fucking swallowed up. Or maybe the tunnel curves. I don't know. Maybe there's science behind it. Anyway... The really weird part is, we could hear the song kept playing as it fell. Fucking Ode to Joy, it never stopped. That fucker played the whole song for way too long. It got pretty quiet and echoey near the end. I guess because of how far away it was. But that keyboard never hit bottom. We probably even could have heard it if it kept playing, but the song ended. The piano was pretty big, too. Like, maybe this long across? Sam shows me a space about two feet between his hands it would have made a huge crash when it hit bottom but we never heard anything
0: so favorite
1: creepy pasta ever and i'll I'll uh, it for you guys it's uh, called infected town by uh, mr creepy pasta one of it's about 4 hours long but oh my god it is it is a great thing to four listen to 4 hours long yeah if you're ever like just driving you know for a long period of time it's uh kind of cool to listen to really well written well narrated and uh, that was like not the best quality of recording. It sounds much better if you were to watch it on YouTube. So check I was it out. Say
0: the, the like piano background noises were kind of throwing me off. Yeah, like, and I, they're probably going for like a creepy feel. But
1: it's well, like, it's just distracting me. <laughs> and uh, so this is like there's a bunch of little stories in it, but there's like this apartment complex, and this lady finds like a hole, and it's like back behind like the shared laundry and these people like develop this cult and they start to worship it and they just go and they stare at it like 8 hours a day and throughout the story you can tell that they keep getting more and more attached to the hole and they're like man the hole must be lonely it's <laughs> like they want to just get, like jump in right like that's what it seems like they're being compelled to do like they would rather instead of living just jump in the hole and uh i won't ruin any
0: of this for you but check it out you said we'll put the link in the Description?
1: Yeah, yeah, we can put it in there. Okay. So, let's jump
0: into Mel's hole. <laughs> let's not. But let's talk about it. <laughs> it's a it. big For a hole. thrice time. So, after not hearing from Mel
1: for over three years, Art was able to get back in touch with him and get him on the air once more. Almost immediately, Art asked Mel if the entire story was just a, another Blair Witch Project type of hoax, to which Mel says that it's not... He was just looking for some help when he first sent the original fax back in 1997. I didn't think things would end up going the way it did. So like three years later, he's like, okay, you got to be honest with me. Was this some kind of hoax? Well, they're they're not like within communication. Right. Um, this is just some guy that called in a radio show, right? It's coast to coast. And uh, what's funny is I think that the Blair Witch Project, I guess uh, Art Bell thought it was real, <laughs> the Blair what? Witch Project, because that's how they used to market it. Like, really? Yeah, the Blair Witch was, like, the first mockumentary. And the way they
0: tried to market it
1: is they're, like, found footage of kids going to the woods. You know what was real
0: in that show? The goddamn snot. Yeah, that was nasty. That was was real.
1: Oh, my God. There's some cool theories about, like, what that show actually was about. Like, if, um, like, one of the people was
0: actually a serial killer and they are trying to lure her out to murder her. Mm -hmm. Like, there was no witch. Yeah, I may have already covered this too, but I actually have an autograph of one of the three people in the Blair Witch Project. Are you serious? Yeah, so cool. I don't remember. Mark? Well, the guy who made it was in Utah, wasn't he? I I believe so. But I I do this thing. It's a subscription called the Bam Box. I send you a monthly autographed horror thing every month, and that was one of them. It's probably one of the coolest autographs I think I have. That's way cool
1: because it had been a few years since the original calls. Art asked Mel to go over the story from the beginning. Once again, for new listeners,
0: and to see if Mel kept his facts straight. One, well, <laughs> He's like, we tell it again, so I'm going to catch any inconsistencies that I'm, you may have. That's a big thing,
1: though. Like People that lie about stories, like they'll kind of deviate to what the original lie was. It just
0: becomes more and more like crazy. Like, oh
1: <laughs> man, this alien crawled out of it? And that's when I rode the flamingo out of the hole and saved the motherland. I named him Jeffrey. <laughs> One thing he mentions very early on this call is that his wife was actually the owner of the property. He brings up the fact that they had a couple of buildings and trailers out there and that he lived in a trailer on the property. Mel brings up his interest and work in natural plant healing and how it relates to Native American practices. He says that he had met a woman from Ellingsburg and got married,
0: but have since broke up. broken up. So that's like a story of how he met his wife. He pushed her in the hole. We broke up, and then, uh, yeah, I've never seen her again. How That's come? Weird. Well, She just pushed her down the hole. I heard she fell to a bad place. <laughs> She's
1: probably still fallen today. <laughs> Art and Mel touch back on the original story, and Mel brings up a new fact that he failed to mention before. A Mexican man used to regularly come and dump tires down the hole. Why, though? Well, he would collect them from various used tire places and discard them in the pit. So there's logic behind it, right? So you have to pay to dispose of tires. Yeah. So if you have a bottomless pit, you just go, "Hey man, I'll take these tires off your hand. You pay me some
0: uh, fractional
1: yeah. amount." And he just loads up a truck, goes to a bottomless pit and just throws them
0: down. No, that makes sense. I thought like you were saying like he collected them like he's like, "Oh, I'm a I'm a tire collector" and then just throws them in the hole. Yeah. <laughs> Like there's so, better things to do with your time, but getting paid, sure. And
1: apparently he visited the hole a lot of times with, like, full um, trailers of just tires. We just throw them in there. Mel speculates that he dumped thousands upon thousands of tires in there. I wonder if he ever just detached the trailer and let it fall in all <laughs> yeah. <off> the tires.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, Art and Mel describe the well again, to which Mel says that it was about nine feet across and round with some stonework. He says that he built a metal cover for the top so that it could be closed for safety reasons. He was worried that someone could fall into it and that you would just never know what would happen to them. So I'm going to play just another clip here of him talking about it. We're going back to the original call, ladies and gentlemen.
3: I had written to you, and I said, I said uh, I've basically let like 80,000 feet worth of uh, monofilament fishing line. You know, well, yeah, but there's, there's even more before that. I mean... You said that people were throwing like dead cows. In oh there. yeah, cow, the cows. I, I used to love one of my favorite things to chuck in there was uh, like television tubes. Man, I would throw television tubes, the, the picture tube down there, and if, if you and it was big enough so you could drop it. In other words, the hole. I take it for as far as one could see or hear went straight down. It must have. I, I would if I would uh, hold something over like towards the center of the hole. I couldn't all the way to the center because, you know, going by nine feet across, that's more than four 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 and a half feet across. But Sure. If I if I held something out like the size of a, uh, a picture tube, you know, a 19-inch picture tube from an old TV set and dropped that in there, I would never hear it hit anything. It would just fall. And fall and, and fall, fall and fall. And that's what made me curious is that how come, you know, I mean, you know, I didn't hear a splash. No crash. You know, no crashing. No, uh, you know, I mean, I could hear something if I didn't get the, head center there you know and if it spun and if it you know, would it's hit the sides yeah but then eventually that sound would give up too so you, know. do you by the way going back do you have any idea what this hole originally was was it anything was it something that anybody dug do you think was it something that well, was naturally always there or what do you think it was it is, as far as far as i can determine and uh, you know, everyone that I would uh, spoken with said that, that hole has always been associated with that property. Uh, one uh, one person uh, that I talked to says, well, as far as we know, the hole there, uh, you know, and your property has been there as long as the, uh, uh, the whale bone has been in the tree out there in Ellensburg. We've got a, Ellensburg is a strange place. We've got a tree out in Ellensburg. Yes. On so, in on someone's yard. Yes. There's a whale bone. Jaw growing out of the tree. What? Yeah, the jaw of a whale bone, and it's like embedded in the tree. Are Are you telling me the truth? Yeah, you can go to. In fact, I you know uh, I you know I was familiar with because I used to walk the neighborhoods there and see it. You could see the tree, but you could actually go to the uh, Yakima Herald newspaper. Yeah, you could see a picture of it.
2: Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: I love the what? Yeah, are you telling me
1: the truth? I like how he like he casually brings this up on the third call. It's like yeah, the neighbors have said it's been here as long as well the 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 whale jawbone has been in the tree. What? Yeah, apparently that I looked it up. Like there there is a newspaper article with the whale's jawbone in a tree. Wow, that's so kind of strange. The bone has been there for over a hundred years, and the hole has been there too. Ellingburg, the town, has only been there for 150 years or so, and the hole is likely older than that. Mel is unsure what the stone wall was built around, however. Well, damn.
0: Just seeing a tree with a whalebone. I wonder yeah. how far away it is from this hole.
1: Yeah, and I gotta say, we're probably the only people out there who are doing a deep dive on this. Probably. This is a very popular
0: episode on Coast to Coast. Talking about a hole for three episodes. All right, well, I don't have uh, a hole, per se, to talk about. Maybe it's kind of like a cave, but uh, this story comes from Toodle Boog. It says, back in Tennessee, where I used to live, I don't anymore. My family and I took a trip to Ruby Falls over in Chattanooga and to look out mountain. Ruby Falls had flooded recently and had just drained enough for tours to continue. There was still standing water inside when we went and they said that the tunnels had been completely filled with water. I was small at the time, maybe eight or nine, but as we were going through the caves, learning about the person who had discovered it and his friend, and had to crawl through two-foot openings on their stomachs to finally reach the waterfall, me and my brother thought it was a really smart time to go off and explore. A two-foot opening.
1: Yeah, no. I would be like, nope, not going.
0: I have zero desire to to spelunk like that. I can't do it. It scares me. Yeah. Very claustrophobic in that sense. There were things to keep us on the trail in the tunnel, like chicken wire and the cracks that led off to other places, but I think me and my brother managed to find a loose part and slip through. The wire part may be completely made up, but I do remember having to go through something. I should also mention that my brother was 11 and super skinny, so he was able to go through this crack with only a little difficulty. I wonder what's on the other side. We had been walking through this super narrow hallway-like crack that gradually turned sideways as we went in. It was probably about ten feet long, but to my eight-year-old brain felt like a lot. When we get to the end, my brother freezed and told me to go back and turned around really fast, ushering me out. It was hard, since we were crawling through diagonally, but I remember smelling a funny smell. It's kind of a sweet mixed with the smell of swamp water, may have just been the cave, but I had looked past him and seen a jacket, like a winter coat-like jacket, and it was blue. It's a dead body. We crawled out of the crack and back to the group, and I got a cut on my arm from the rocks. This isn't important, I just remembered it. We ran to the group, and no one had noticed we were missing, as we had been gone for only about five to ten minutes. My parents didn't even notice. If your kids are missing in a cave for five to ten minutes, you're gonna notice. Hey,
1: maybe they're playing Yahtzee or something, you know?
0: They're busy. Yeah, that's true. Let's go play Yahtzee in the middle of this cave. Oh, yeah. It took me a few years to realize that this was a per- that there was a person in that jacket and that the smell was them decomposing. I just asked my brother about this, and he said that he had seen white hair on the person, and it was moving because of a breeze. So most likely it was a homeless person who had either found some way in from outside and gotten stuck and maybe even drowned when it had flooded. But I'm feeling kind of sick realizing this. It's been years since this happened, but my stomach drops every time I think about it.
1: Yeah, that's nasty.
0: What would you do if you're just going through these tunnels and you just find a dead body?
1: Calmly turn around and tell the authorities. That's therapy.
0: That is therapy. I wouldn't like shake his hand. Look, a back scratcher. <laughs> you take the arm with you. This is a hell of a back scratcher. It's coming with me. So this is from Fuzzy Elf Forty Seven. Well, damn, Fuzzy Elf. I explored a mental health facility that closed down in 1986. I really want to do that. I want to go tour some haunted places. I'd be down. I know this because all of the patients' files were still there, and the visitor logs ended one day in 1986. They were covered in soot from multiple fires, dust and other grime. But you could sit there among the crack pipes, broken glass, and heroin needles and read about patients, their daily lives, how often relatives came to visit them, details on their medication, etc. It was weird having such insight into the lives of mentally ill individuals or just social rejects committed there by uncaring families, as often happened back in the day, without having any idea what happened to them after that day in 1986. Homeless, returning to their families, maybe even some of the very junkies who still frequented the place. Or they just went to live perfectly normal lives, having no idea their history of mental illness was on display in an abandoned building, behind a Long John Silvers.
1: Well, every time I get that itch, I just go do math in the mental asylum. I just love doing math.
0: Just go down to Long John Silvers, get a fish and chips plate, and then go back with all the broken heroin needles.
1: Dude, that seems like like if I did a lot of math, like subtraction and addition, you know, it sounds like I would go to a Long John Silvers, kind of tweak out there and then go to a mental asylum. Seems like kind of a, a regular routine. Basically. Back to Mills Hole. Let's jump into history of Mel. He previously lived in California and worked as a shark fisherman. He had some spare fishing line and decided to send down about twelve hundred yards or thirty six hundred feet. Did you say shark fisherman? Yeah. I would never
0: I would never fish for shark.
1: You're Britton, you're either on the top of the food chain or you're not. You're very right. Yeah. So Mel, dude, he's just an alpha. <laughs> yeah. He's
0: just an alpha. Yeah. I wonder if he brought home a shark and threw it in the hole.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, being a shark fisherman, so you're you're gonna have like strong fishing line. Is a little experience there. So, anyways, what he originally did to start gauging the depth of the holes, he'd get the fishing line, he would tie, a, I think, a lifesaver to the bottom of it, and he would just and a one pound lead, and he would just let it go down and down and down. The lifesaver would like tell you if you hit water because it would dissolve if you were to reel it back up, and it right. was gone. Anyways, he allowed the line to sit before pulling it up. After leaving the line down there for an hour or two, he'd bring it back up and the candy was dry, meaning that it didn't stop and hit water. Mel said that he could still sense the weight on the line as it was down the hole and he could still move it side to side with a bit of effort. before taking a break on this call, Art mentions that Mel is back from Australia, but they would continue with the original story before getting to that. They talk about how There have been other stories of mysterious holes around the world and that his story wasn't completely unique
0: in those regards. This world is full of mysterious
1: holes. (laughs) Mel talks about how he is still adding line and goes down the hole without hitting anything. Callers suggest that at some point the weight on the line in the terms of a reference would not matter as the weight would be greater and would just keep the line going down. Mel says that he attached to fisherman's scale, and it read 17 to 18 pounds of total line that would be down the hole, including the lead weight. So essentially what that means is because he's weighing the, um, the, the amount of line hanging from gravity is that it, it's not like coiled up on the ground somewhere. So it's right. just hanging. It hasn't hit a bottom. Um, a lot of the critics were saying, well, once you have like just one pound of line down there, it's just going to keep going even though it hit the ground but because he put in a fisherman's scale, it's saying, no, it's suspended. There's no bottom here. Anyways, all that told, he had 80,000 feet of line down the hole. Good God. He confirms that he never brought the total amount of line back up, as it would have taken far too much effort. He would buy fishing line and huge bolts in order to get a good deal and have enough of it. The only issues he ran into was when he had to hook up the original lines to the outrigger line to continue on to the next line. He says that even though he hit 80,000 feet of line, that it wasn't at the bottom of the hole. So I'm going to bring up some creepy shit he brings up right after this.
3: About the, the, the relay the only thing that we kind of think came out of it is some guy who uh, had a hunting dog that uh, passed away. The dog died. He put the dog in the hole through the dog in the hole. And it was it was uh, the belief of several people that the dog came back from the dead that, uh, and the dog, out of the hole. Uh, well, they didn't see it from the hole. They they, they saw the uh, the dog uh, out, you know, around town and you know in the area and stuff. And so, uh, then you're telling me the guy threw his
4: dead, dead dog, dog, dog in,
3: hole, dead dog in the hole, and then the same dog was seen later That's around. That's right. That's right. In, in fact, there was one other. Uh, uh, so, well, you know, I always wondered, Mel. You once told me, when you died, yes, yes, you wanted it. to be thrown in a hole. That that was in my will, and uh, I, that that's how I wanted my remains to be dealt with, or reverently know. dropped, I guess. Well, well, I, it was uh, well I, I was willing to take that uh, journey. You know, I thought it would be a a, a great uh, great journey. I, I, I believe when I wrote to you, I said that the, the the hole was kind of. Uh, uh, my dogs wouldn't go anywhere near it and things like that. It was—it it, kind of had a weird feeling. Yeah, well, maybe they knew that another dog got tossed <laughs> well, out. Well, that, that could be. But had, there was a weird, weird uh, just a, a an eerie sense about it. And, you know, I, I i thought about that because, you know, after I talked to you, said, what, what was, uh, and, and, and actually I would get kind of a, a strange feeling to it. I'm going to kind of describe the feeling to you. All right, please. The sensation that you got there. Have you ever been surprised by the moon? Like you, you, go out, you look out the window, and the moon is up there, and it's just—it's like for a second you don't realize it's the moon. Sure. You get that eerie sense, and then, yeah, sure. then, then, then your, your, your uh uh your brain puts together that it is the moon. Yeah. Sure. That's happened to everybody. You, you get, but that Thanks. feeling is like the you, you get you got that feeling a a, a, a lot around the hole there oh that's you you felt that feeling It was that kind of feeling that you would have you get that that sense that you were constantly surprised by the moon during the day or during the night it didn't matter if the moon was in the moon was out didn't matter that was that was the the sensation and i finally was able to nail it down it 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 occurred to me it and i said that's the same feeling i used to get you know when i was at my property there's that strange feeling well Uh, you said there was one other thing too that happened with that hole that was unusual. Besides the story about the dog, uh, I'm, 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 there's a lot of unusual things about it. <laughs> there's an un, a specific unusual thing that, that you know about it. Well, well, the the one the one thing that uh, it, it was said. Uh, are we talking about the? Uh, uh, the thing where people would see like the dark black shaft of light coming out of it? No, no. but tell me about that. Well, that, this, this, was, this, was, uh, this was something, again, that was told to me, but it was the uh, 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 pe- people said that from time to time what they would see when, when they would look over towards the property or if they were on my property, uh, and looking at that way, they would see like a, a shaft of the blackest black, they'd ever seen coming out, of the- coming out of the hole and extending up into the sky. Oh. It was like just the... That is weird. Yeah.
0: I love that so much. Just a big black shaft going up into coming the sky. Out of the hole. So, black is big shaft coming right out of Mel's hole. Right up to the sky.
1: Remember, guys, it's a three-year span since he talked to Art. A lot of this is kind of a repeat. But yeah, those are the big creepy things. Now Art asks if he's ever used a powerful flashlight. To which Mel said that he had. He said that he could see where the stone retaining wall ended, but the flashlight would just run out before he could see the bottom. He wonders how far could he see with a high-powered flashlight? Just get a searchlight. Yeah, a goddamn spotlight. Son yeah, of a spotlight. Bitch. There you go. We'll see. Art says that he likes to scare off reporters with his giant flashlight. (laughs) Mel agrees. Just recapping the call here, okay? They again talk about how Mel wanted to save his remains placed down the hole when he died because he wanted to see whether or not he would come back from the dead like the dog did before. He talked to many people about the hole and knows that other people know what it is, but they won't tell him. Art says that originally coming onto the show was a big mistake, to which Mel agrees. He went out to the property after he sent the fax and expected to see a bunch of people. He says that he rented an apartment in Ellensburg because a snowstorm had caved in his building up there. He went back to the property the day after the call and says that he saw a group of armed men in yellow gear at his property. Mel said that they told him that there was a plane crash and they knew it was his property but wouldn't let him up. He didn't see any smoke or anything, but he left and headed back to the town. He called Art later that night, and after his run-in with the armed guards, he is not sure why they were at his property, but thinks it was because he was on Art's show and they knew it. They had the power to find his land right away and made it a big production. The whole must have had a very valuable property if the government wanted it so bad, according to Mount Mel goes on to say that there was a mix of both military and civilian personnel at his property. He says that many years ago, he was in the army and knows what uniforms look like. He says that he couldn't tell you which army they belonged to. Every person there was armed to the teeth with heavy weapons. At this point, they take another break. After the break, they talk about how the area where the hole is located has some odd happenings such as a possible alien encounter and the discovery of the Kennewick Man, a prehistoric ske- skeletal specimen.
0: What the fuck?
1: It's, just a, it's like a hot spot of weird shit. So Maybe it links directly to Skinwalker Ranch, man. Maybe. Mel says that, at first, they intimidated him and threatened him with possibly finding a drug lab on his property. Again, we've talked about this in the previous episode. He says that he was growing non-native plants for medicinal purposes and that it could easily be considered a drug lab instead if he didn't cooperate. But not long after, they made him a very generous offer, which Mel is able to talk about. They put together a very interesting package and a lease of the property in perpetuity. Mel accepted the offer and moved to Australia. He says that part of the conditions for the lease was that you received $250,000 a month.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, this is back in 1997. So that I went, would do it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is that, $3 million a year? <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah. Art confirms that Mel was in Australia and that he was in correspondence with him while he was there. Mel was specifically located in Perth, Western Australia, which he said he loved. Mel says that he built some facilities to grow and
0: cultivate the various plants that he was allowed to bring with him when he moved. I would laugh if, like, the new property he's on, there's this big hole in the backyard. (laughs) He's like, God damn it! The hole follows Mel. It's always behind him. It is. It's always behind him. It's legitimately Mel's hole. (laughs) It just follows him. Oh, my God! He also
1: mentioned that he was able to work on the wombat rescue, an endangered species at the time, and that they were making a comeback thanks to the work he was doing. Art wonders what went wrong. Mel says that initially, after accepting the deal, he was rushed away. He had to leave his car, was driven to San Francisco, and hopped on a plane for Australia. He was allowed to take his two dogs with him, and he already had an account set up for him and ready to go for his move. His departure was all handled by the government and the Australian government. He was to receive $3 million a year on the lease for the land and was to follow a non-disclosure agreement in regards to the little that he knew about the hole in the property. How long would this $3 million a year go for? Perpetuity. It's supposed to go on forever. Good God. Yeah. Art agrees that he would have taken the money and ran as well. One of the things that Mel did while in Australia was to continue his work on the herbs and was able to cultivate the plants that he had brought with him. He says... That plants that he brought that were grown near the hole displayed some rather unusual attributes. Plants that weren't from the hole did not show the same properties. At this point, Art wants to hear what happened to Australia and Mel being so well off. They talk about how Mel was supposed to be on the show at some point, but was in no-show. On the day that he was going to be on the show, he helped his nephew move from his apartment to the Olympia area. They had to return the truck back to Tacoma, and Mel was to take the bus back down to Olympia. He says that he got on the bus, and there was an altercation. They moved into the park and ride and Transit Authority, where there was... where there... where there to ask questions about what happened during the ride. Jesus fucking growl. I got mad. <laughs> He got to the transit bus for a ride back to Olympia and says...
0: This was the last thing that he remembered. All right, so back to me for a couple stories, eh? I'm really intrigued to see what uh, what he's doing in Australia with three million bucks a year, and what you said, ninety seven. Yeah, it's a hell of a retirement. You buy a house like in cash every you month. Buy a house. You could buy a house in cash every month. Yeah, for like the rest of your life. Nice houses too <laughs> on the beach in Australia. Like this beach is now mine. My beach, beach. I want to visit Australia, but I don't think I can live there because literally every creature wants you dead. Yeah, kangaroo. Dude, they're ripped. They'll, they'll kill you. Yeah, they'll kill you. Every spider there has, like, wings. There was a guy who tried to box a kangaroo, I guess, and the kangaroo just hit him. Oh, I know. <laughs> Once, and he was gone. Yeah, they're, they're mean. Okay, so this comes from Needs More Tuba. We were about to explore an abandoned farmhouse, but we found a dead deer, maybe, on the side of the house and got kind of freaked out. Then, I saw movement inside the house that we thought was a person, and I took off running. My friends convinced me to go back the next day, and upon returning, we discovered the deer had been reduced to a pile of bones that were basically picked clean. You gotta go. Gotta go. I'm not sure what could eat an entire deer overnight, but I guess it's possible? Yep, I'd be gone. That's like some Texas... Chainsaw massacred, wrong turn, hills have eyes, shit. I just saw a leather face in the distance. Right. And he has another story too. Um, I think this one does have some pictures, so we'll just have to read when go without the pictures piece. Um, but when I was a teenager, I explored a farmhouse that had been abandoned for 20 years. Like, where's this guy finding all these abandoned farmhouses? And maybe he just searches for them, you know? Like, that's a
1: creepy barn. Let's go look and see if there's any cows in it. Moo-moo, motherfucker. <laughs>
0: the cow was living alone in this barn for 35 years. It was fluorescent green. I'm going to call her Bertha. Big Bertha. She had 12 udders.
1: Oh, God. In three eyes. In three eyes. <laughs> Don't drink the milk. Don't
0: drink the milk. It's Kool-Aid. It's radioactive, man. <laughs> it's radioactive Kool-Aid. The creepy thing about it was when the family had literally abandoned the house, leaving everything behind to starve fresh. Inside the house was everything the family had owned, many things in the exact place where they were last used. Clothes hung in every closet, dishes sat in the drying rack, soap and toilet paper were still in the bathroom at first anyways, toys were scattered about the upstairs bedroom with a cardboard cardboard sign that read, no adults allowed. The most interesting thing was a notebook on the kitchen counter where the kids wrote notes to the parents and each other. Grocery lists, reminders of after-school activities, uh, little bits of evidence into their former lives. Several years later, I was able to Google their names and contacted one of them to learn the whole story. I'm interested. Here it is. Well, it doesn't follow up on anything. That's stupid. What? (laughs) He ends it there? No, it doesn't end, but it, it just said there are two sets of photos in this album, and it has a link. And then it says the black and white set was taken in 2002 and the color set was taken in 2005, right before it was torn down. The black and white photos were taken on 35mm film and when I got them back from the photo lab, there was something weird in one of them that looks like a ghost face. I've never been able to explain it, but here's that photo if you'd like to try. Yeah, but he never tells us the whole story. That seems like quite the cliffhanger. What a freaking letdown.
1: Yeah, he's like probably hoping someone would ask like, hey, what was the story? And he just never got it.
0: Unless it was, like, just boring. Like, yeah, we were in, like, Witsack, and we left. Yeah, you know, we were just bored. Yeah, everything's boring. You know, we came into $3 million a year and
1: decided we could have better things. You see, there was a hole on our property. My, my dad, and Mel, leased it out to the government.
0: <laughs> Probably. Yeah, I'm a little upset that they didn't follow up <laughs> with the story. That's stupid. Yeah. His name is I Need More Tuba. We Need More context. Okay, this is from Sushinko Demon, I guess. The government decided to buy a bunch of houses that surrounded a lake and were downhill from a river because, I assume, they flooded so badly and often and so often. My buddy lived in one of these houses at the time, so we always had the inside scoop of which houses were abandoned. Countless fun nights were spent breaking into, exploring, and looting these extravagant lake houses, Fucking looters? I feel like I should say anything left behind was going in the trash and the houses were being demolished soon, so it was a victimless crime. It's like you knew what I was going to say. Anyways, one night we decided to return to a house that we previously explored because the loot there was plentiful and worth a second look. We pick the lock and stumble in, drinking and laughing. All is going well until we get into the kitchen in the back of the house, and my friend is like, No way, how did we miss these? while inspecting two pristine bikes lined up against the wall. Ah, let's ride bikes. They're not alone. Everyone seemed excited, but I was the first to realize exactly what this meant. Who rode those bikes? Two bikes in an abandoned house that weren't even there a week before? We were not alone in this house. I shushed everyone and explained the situation. They realized I was definitely right, and that we needed to leave immediately. No one wanted to end up confronting a potential homeless or crackhead in the middle of the night. Some homicidal cyclist. Watch as it's like, just like two kids playing with a Ouija board in the attic. I do two things. I ride bikes and I stab people. In that order. Or you stab people while riding a bike. Yeah, that's even better. We snuck out the front door without incident and I apologized for intruding and scaring the people who were likely upstairs. None of us explored upstairs that night but I remember almost going up alone at one point that night. Glad I didn't.
1: Fuck yeah. All right, so Mel, he's on a bus, altercation. People ask him questions, and all of a sudden, uh, he gets wheezy. He gets and gets wheezy? Yeah. He's, uh, he, he just he collapses, or something happens. There's a lapse in memory. About 12 days later, he found himself in San Francisco in an alley. He brings up the fact that he, he looks like Willie Nelson, and that some bums were trying to get him to sing them that a song. Art is stunned, and Mel says that he had gotten on the bus to go back to Olympia, and that it was the last thing he remembered before waking up almost two weeks later. The uh-huh. hell, <laughs> He said that he had no wallet, keys, or anything else. He was just in the clothes he was wearing when he was helping his nephew move. He said that his arm hurt, and he rolled up his sleeve and noticed that he still had a residue of tape from an IV. So somebody put put him down for 12 days. Weird. He thinks he was kept knocked out for 12 days, and that he was shocked to find out that he had no back teeth. What the fuck? His molars had been removed while he was unconscious. He's able to get in touch with his nephew, who sends him a ticket for a Greyhound bus. His nephew says that he was frantic during the time Mel was gone, and so was Art. He had scars in his mouth where his teeth were removed, and he still could taste blood from the removal. Art says that he was screwing with someone he shouldn't have been, and Mel thinks that it might not have been related to him planning to be back on the show. Mel may have gotten himself in trouble otherwise, but Art thinks it's all connected. The next thing he finds out, is there is a legal action against him on behalf of his former wife. She had leased the land to him as part of their divorce settlement. At this point, they take one more break. As the show comes back, Mel mentions that he was also missing his custom belt buckle. Mm. He made it out of bending a silver fork, adding some nice rocks that he had found on it. See, that's what you do and you know. When you're, like, living in the middle of nowhere, he's like, I'm going to bend a fork, make a belt out of it. He goes back to talking about legal action and that he was given the land by his ex-wife because the land was basically useless. The papers he was served stated that he was in violation of the lease he had with her. The violations were an underground fuel system, a septic tank, and paved roads. These were all things that were not supposed to occur under the original lease. But were done by the people at leased the land from Mel. He and his ex-wife had an understanding, and he was giving her twenty-five thousand dollars a month. He's so bad off that he has to sell plasma at this point in order to buy cigarettes. But there are things that he just has to know, including the Mexican fellow who used to toss tires down the hole. There Why is all-
0: so bad off.
1: He, I guess he just spent his money or something like that.
0: He's getting three mil a month.
1: Not right anymore. Here. Like he he violated the lease contract. You know, he doesn't really get into it, but apparently like he either spent his money or like it got taken back.
0: Wow. Like his
1: assets got frozen. Uh-huh. So he's also trying to get a hold of a Catholic priest. It's kind of like weird, but he says he's a Hungarian fellow with connections to the hole that Mel wants to track down, although he doesn't really get into it.
0: This whole um, thing just went down to f- the fucking rabbit hole. Getting
1: weird. The plants that he had grown originally on the property and then in Australia had remarkable properties that had been known about for at least 100 years. He declines to say the name of the plants, but does talk about how they were used to treat the great influenza at the turn of the century. He's just growing weed. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> the it mi- fixes glaucoma real well, yeah, too. It makes me see better. The mix was a concoction of Indian plants that cured them. Mel says that he is 68 years old and had a simple life before all of this happened, and things have been extraordinary the last few years. He wants to figure things out and tie up some loose ends. One person he needs to find in contact is a gentleman that he gave an old gun to he had found on the property. One day on his property, he dug up a gun and a holster. And... When he had moved to his apartment, when the snow caved in on his house, he gave the gun to the landlord as a deposit. Mill describes the pistol as being like an old Nazi P-38 from World War II. He's been unable to get in touch with the person he gave it to and has found out that he has left his family, his wife, and has simply vanished. After talking to his son, Mill says that the guy he gave the gun to became obsessed with it and that He said he would shoot it and it would make no sound. Art remembers Mel talking about that years before when they first started talking. He also said that he would set up a gun near the radio and it would pick up signals from all over the place, both past and present. He could wave his hands and it would change broadcasts from both different areas and different times. Art speculates... Anyone who had ever come in contact with the hole ran into problems. Mel talks about how the Mexican guy who used to throw tires down there once had issues with his truck, and his son went out to help him with it. Mel had given him a couple of paint buckets full of rocks and metal shards that he had collected around the property to put in the back of his car for added weight to get out of the snow and mud. Mel wants to track down those buckets. While in Australia, he worked with the Ministry of Health and had given some of the plants that he had brought back with him from the property so that they could treat some men who were near death
0: with the AIDS virus. I never would have thought that the story would go this way. Like, <laughs> like, we're talking about some guy who had an ever ending hole in his backyard and now he's like moved to Australia. He's growing plants, he's selling here. He just woke up with his molars missing. Mel says that they were no longer sick
1: were fine. Mel left Australia just to be with his family, which Art thinks was a big mistake after what happened. If he had stayed there, he might have been doing well. Mel agrees and wishes that he was there on the beaches because the girls in tiny swimsuits. <laughs> now he's back in America and has nothing of his own. Mel just wants to find the Hungarian and the priest to find out <laughs> <laughs> what.
4: It's going off the rails.
0: It's going off the rails. It's just like you're cold. I need to find that Hungarian in the priest. <laughs> They'll tell me what that hole's about. God damn it. It's, it's, that's what my life is now is finding this Hungarian in the priest. Yeah. I just the story just went so far in the left field.
1: He's just trying to figure out all about that hole. I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm listening to. He says his nephew's writing a book about what happened, and Art mentions that people have been writing songs about him and his story. Mel's nephew even had a CD called The Ballad of Mel's Hole. He also had drinks named after him. You guys ready for this? I'm so ready for this. I saw that and I'm like, let's let's fucking find the song. Oh no.
4: Ha <laughs>
0: that <laughs> like sudden applause in the third EPIA?
1: Man, yippee IA, man.
0: Yippie I thought that was so funny
1: when I found that. I'm like, I got to add it to the show. Coming soon to the number one spot on
0: Spotify, it's Mel's Hole.
1: Anyways, guys, we're going to wrap up the last little bit of the third call. So since he's been back, Mel has not tried to go back to the hole at all. He's just trying to figure out everything. And he gets and get things worked out with his ex-wife and warn her. That she may be barking up the wrong tree. Mel just wants a small piece to live and a place that he can continue to work. Mel makes a joke about how he had a hole, and now he's been shafted.
0: Such a good joke.
1: (laughs) 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 He tried so hard not to laugh. Mel asks about a fax that he had sent, to which Art said he hadn't read it because of some specific names included. Mel thinks that there is a very strong connection between his hole and the Heaven's Gate incident. His original call was around a month before that situation happened. Mel gave out his email address, which is melwatersathome.com, hoping that anyone relating to him and his hole from before would contact him. The show runs out of time, and Mel says his goodbye, but says that you may not have heard last of the story and tells his ex that she owes him all right so we're gonna send mel an email right now from enter the abyss
0: and hopefully he responds maybe we can get the the latest scoop on his hole clickety clackety click the email is about to be sent subject your hole
1: (laughs) classy dear mel we are doing a podcast about your hole Please email us back, and we'd love to have you on it. Cheers.
0: Enter the abyss.
1: Happy face.
0: Wow. There we go. Well, hopefully Mel gets back to us here. I literally didn't think that this story was going to go that, that south. There's two more calls, man. It gets weird. Oh, there's more?
1: Yeah, there's two more calls, and then we'll get into theories.
0: Okay. I was going to say, because like, when we covered it the first, I'm like, oh, okay. And you're like, oh, we got a second part. And I'm like, oh, I thought we already covered it. And you're like, oh, we got a third part. And I'm like, we're just going to be covering the same shit. But boy, was I wrong. Damn it. Mel at MelWatersAtHome.com doesn't exist anymore. Uh, That's too bad. I was excited. Well, Mel, if you're listening, please email us. EnterTheAbyssPod at gmail.com. Maybe he's already been thrown in the hole. Maybe he's dead. Well, there's only one way to contact him now. Spirit box. Spirit box. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to do one last uh, story because I think it's kind of creepy, and then we'll wrap it up. So this comes from Noradale. I live in a very small southern town where there isn't much to do, so my friends and I always go explore this abandoned hotel on a hill overlooking my town. Usually, things were pretty normal, but the last time we went, things were very off. First of all, when we first walked into the lobby, there was a really ominous blue barrel with the lid sealed shut people people are in the barrel we thought it might have been there before but when we looked at some old videos from other times we had gone there was no barrel in sight we then entered a corridor that led to the pool in this corridor there was a small shelf attached to the wall usually there was nothing on the shelf except a few beer cans but this time i shit you not there was a whole pile of human hair I'm talking like a whole head. It was attached to what we were pretty sure was a scalp. Oh, my God. It was wet and looked shriveled up. We booked it out of that place and never went back. Still not sure what it was or if it was real. You should call the cops in that situation. Yeah. if You find a scalp next to a swimming pool in the Overlook Hotel.
1: You know what? We're just going to leave.
0: And they said that there's a comment that says maybe the body was in the barrel.
1: Yeah. Maybe we should just head out. Yeah.
0: That's a good time to leave. Yeah, I'd be out. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us for our third. Installment. Episode of Mel's hole. Of the hole belonging to Mel, formerly. Belonging to Mel. All
1: right, guys. Well, we're at about 144 subscribers on YouTube. Um, we're about 60% there with uh, time watched for monetization. So if you've listened to us on YouTube and you've liked what you've heard, please subscribe as it really helps us out. And, if you want to give us suggestions on future episodes, send us an email at entertheabysspod at
0: gmail.com. On that note, too, we posted on our Facebook a couple weeks ago, and I just wanted to kind of shout out, we did surpass 10,000 uh, listens on our, it's, it's through our Buzz uh, Buzzsprout, but it does go through like all of our Spotify, Apple, everything there, not including YouTube. So with YouTube, we're well beyond that. But again, just a huge thank you for supporting our show. Um, the growth that we continue to see is awesome. We have a lot of plans. So like Cleet said, you know, follow us, like us, share us, get us out there. And uh, thank you so much from the bottom of the abyss. And as always, thank you for entering the abyss. Until next time.